Chapter Twelve of Werewolves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Justice. Werewolves by Elliot O'Donnell. Chapter Twelve: Their Werewolf in Spain. Werewolves are perhaps rather less common in Spain than in any other part of Europe. They are almost entirely confined to the mountainous regions, more particularly to the Sierra de Guadarrama, the Canabrian, and the Pyrenees, and are usually of the male species. Generally speaking, the property of lycanthropy in Spain appears to be hereditary, and as one would naturally expect in a country so pronouncedly Roman Catholic to rid the lycanthropist of his unenviable property, it is the custom to resort to exorcism. Though they are extremely rare, both flowers and streams possessing the power of transmitting the property of werewolfery are to be found in the Canabrian Mountains and the Pyrenees. And in Spain, as in Austria-Hungary, precious stones, particularly rubies, not infrequently and often with disastrous results, attract a werewolf. The following case of a Spanish werewolf may be taken as typical. In the month of September, 1853, a young man, one Paul Nicholas, arrived from Paris at Pamplona, and took up his abode at L'Hotel Hervada. He was rich, idle, sleek, and the sole object of his stay at Pamplona was the pursuit of some little adventure wherewith he might be temporarily employed, and whereof, perchance, he might afterwards boast. Well, in the hotel there had arrived, a day or two before Monsieur Nicholas, a young and beautiful lady the effect of whose personal attractions was intensified by certain mysterious circumstances no one knew her she had no one with her not even a servant to be bribed and although eminently fitted to shine in society she went neither to the opera nor the dance as may be readily understood she was soon the sole topic of a conversation in the hotel everyone talked of her rare beauty elegance and musical genius and immediately after dinner, when she retired to her room, many of the guests would steal upstairs after her, and stationing themselves outside her door, would remain there for hours to listen to her singing. Paul Nicholas's head was completely turned. To have such a neighbor, with the face and voice of an angel, and yet not to know her. It was enough to drive him wild. At last, to everyone's surprise, the mysterious lady, apparently so exclusive permitted the advances of a very commonplace middle-aged gentleman with hardly a hair on his head and a paunch that was voted quite disgusting the friendship between the two ripened fast in defiance of all conveniality the lady took to sitting out late at night with her elderly admirer and with an absolute disregard of decorum accompanied him on long excursions finally she went away with him altogether on the occasion of this latter event Everyone in the hotel heaved a sigh of relief, saving Paul. Paul was disconsolate. He stayed on, hovering about the places she had most frequented, and hoping to see in every fresh arrival at the hotel his adored one come back. His pitiable condition gained no sympathy. Silly fellow, was the general comment. He is desperately in love, and was such a creature. What an idiot! But Paul's patience was at length rewarded his devotion apparently justified for the lady returned unaccompanied and so great was the charm of her personality that within two days of her reappearance she had completely won back the hearts of her fellow guests 
again everyone raved of her meanwhile paul nicholas became more enamoured than ever he bought a guitar and composed love lyrics which he sang outside her door from morning till night with all that wealth of tenderness so uniquely expressible in a human voice but it was all in vain for the lady whose name had at least leaked out it was isabel de nerez had yielded to the attentions of another stout middle-aged gentleman with whom in due course she departed this was too much even for her most ardent admirers every guest in the hotel protested and petitioned that she might not be readmitted but mine host shook his head with scant apology i cannot help it he said the lady pays more for her rooms than all the rest of you put together so why should i turn her out after all she likes to have many sweethearts why shouldn't she it is her own concern neither yours nor mine it harms no one and some of the guests seeing logic in their landlord's views remained others went as for paul he was immeasurably shocked at the bad taste of his adornment but he stayed on and within a few days as he had fondly hoped the fickle creature returned and as before returned alone it was then that he resolved on writing to her with the crow quill almost as fine as the long silky eyelashes of isabella on a sheet of paper whose border of cupids grapes vases and roses left little too little space for writing he indicted his letter which when completed he sealed with a seal of azure blue wax bearing the device of a dove ready for flight and so scented was this epistle that it perfumed the entire hotel in its transit by means of a servant well paid for the purpose to mademoiselle's room again this time for an endless amount of trouble and expense paul was rewarded when next he met mademoiselle and an opportune moment arrived she looked at him and as her lovely eyes scanned his manly if somewhat poorly figure she smiled smiled a smile of satisfaction which meant much paul nicholas was in ecstasies he hardly knew how to contain himself he sighed radiated and wriggled about to such an extent that the intention of everyone in the place was directed to him whereupon mademoiselle de nurez turned very red and frowned paul's expectations now sank to zero for the rest of the day he was almost too miserable to live but mademoiselle de nurez no doubt perceiving him to be truly penitent for having so embarrassed her forgave him and on his way to dinner he received a note in her own pretty handwriting giving him permission to make her acquaintance without any further introduction the way thus paved monsieur paul nicholas overjoyed lost no time in seeking out the lady she was singing a wild sweet song as he entered her sitting-room and her back turned to the door gave him an opportunity of observing as she leant over her guitar the most exquisite shoulders and the prettiest shaped head in the world with graceful confusion she rose to greet him and her long eyelashes fell over eyes black and brilliant as those that awakened the furor of two continents the eyes of lola montez she was dressed in white her rich dark hair was held in place with combs of gold her girdle was of gold and so also were the massive bracelets on her arms which so perfect was their symmetry might well have been fashioned by a sculptor monsieur paul nicholas with the air of a prince escorted her to the dining-room and over champagne coffee and liquors their friendship grew apace some hours later when ensconced together in a cosy retreat on the terrace 
and the fast disappearing lights in the hotel windows warned them it should be prudent to retire mademoiselle de nerez exclaimed with a sigh you have told me so much about yourself whilst i i have told you nothing in return alas i have a history my parents are dead my mother died when i was a baby and my father who is a very wealthy man having accumulated his money in the business of a cork merchant which he carried on for years in portugal died just six months ago he was on a voyage for his health in the mediterranean when he formed an acquaintance with a young hindu prince de jara who soon acquired unabounded influences over him my father died on this voyage and god forgive my suspicions but his death was strange and sudden on opening his will it was found that all his property was left to me but only on the condition that i married prince de jara marry a black man mon dieu how terrible paul nicholas cried you are right it was terrible mademoiselle de nerez went on and if i refused to marry prince de jara he according to the will would inherit everything well prince de jara was persistent he declared that it was my duty to marry him to fulfil my father's dying wish it was in vain that i implored his mercy that i told him i could never return his affections and at last finding that upon prince de jara neither remonstrance nor reproach had any effect i fled to a town some ten miles distance from this hotel taking with me what money and jewelry i possessed alas he soon discovered my whereabouts and with the sole object of continuing his persecution of me speedily established himself in the house which unfortunately for me happened to be vacant next to mine my money is nearly exhausted i have no resources and unless someone intervenes someone brave and fearless someone who really loves me i shall undoubtedly be forced into a marriage with this odious wretch heavens the bare idea of it is poisonous you remember the two men who paid such marked attentions to me a short time ago paul nicholas nodded his emotion was such he could not speak they both imagined they were in love with me they swore they would confront the black tyrant and kill him but when they were put to the test when i took them and pointed him out to them they went white as a sheet and fled why torture me thus paul nicholas cried tell me only tell me what it is you want me to do do you love me more than my life more than your soul more than my soul will you save me from a fate more horrible than death if i go to hell for you yes paul said gazing on a face lovely as a dream you must come with me to his house to-morrow then you must come armed you must kill him kill him paul cried turning pale well but it will be murder assassination murder to kill him a tyrant a black man bah are you too a coward and she sprang to her feet the veins swelling on her white brow her cheeks coloring her eyes flashing fire as if she at least knew not the meaning of fear sooner than let such a wretch inherit my father's wealth she cried out i will kill him myself kill him or perish in the attempt paul nicholas encountered the earnest gaze of her large bright eyes and pleading of her beautiful mouth and the sweetness of her breath fanned his nostrils a terrific wave of passion swept over him he loved as he had never loved before as he had never deemed it possible to love 
and in his mad worship of the woman he believed to be as pure as she was fair he forgot that the devil hides safest where he is least suspected seizing her small white hands in his he swore upon them to do her will and he would have gone on making all sorts of wild impassioned speeches had not mademoiselle de nerez reminded him that it was past locking up time she crossed the main hall of the hotel with him and as she turned to bid him good night prior to ascending to her quarters her eyes met his met his in one long lingering glance that he assured himself could only have meant love next morning the guests in the hotel received another shock mademoiselle de nerez had gone off again this time with monsieur paul nicholas that good-looking well-to-do young man at whom all the matrons with marriageable daughters had in vain cast longing eyes now although paul nicholas had little knowledge of geography he could not help remarking as he journeyed with mademoiselle nerez that their route was in an exactly opposite direction to that leading to the town which his companion had named to him as her place of residence he pointed out his difficulty but mademoiselle de nerez only laughed wait she said wait and see we shall get there all right you must trust to my wit paul nicholas made no further comment he was already in the seventh heaven that was enough for him and leaning back he continued gazing at her profile the afternoon passed away the sun sank and night and its shadows moved solemnly on them gradually the roadside trees became distinguishable only as deeper masses of shadow and paul nicholas could only tell they were trees by the peculiar sodden odour that from time to time sluggishly flowed in at the open window of the carriage of necessity they were proceeding slowly the road was for the most part uphill and the horses though tough and hardy natives of the mountains had begun to show signs of flagging they did not pass by a soul and even the size of astonished cattle whose ruminating slumbers they had routed at last became events of the greatest rarity at each yard they advanced the wildness of the country increased and although the landscape was hidden its influence was felt paul nicholas knew as well as if he had seen them that he was in the presence of grotesque isolated boulders wide patches of bare desolate soil gaunt trees and profound straggling fissures being so long confined in a limited space although in that space was a paradise he felt the exquisite agony of cramp and when after sundry attempts to stretch himself he at length found a position that afforded him temporary relief it was only to become aware of a more refined species of torture the springs of the carriage rising and falling regularly produced a rhythmical beat which began to painfully absorb his attention and to slowly merge into a senseless echo of one of his observations to mademoiselle de nerez and when he was becoming reconciled to this inferno another forced itself upon him how quiet the driver was was there any driver he couldn't see any possibly nay probably why not the driver was lying gagged and bound on the roadside and a bandit one of the notorious spanish bandits against whom his friends in paris had so emphatically warned him was on the box driving him to his obscure lair in the heart of the mountains or was the original driver himself a bandit and the beautiful girl reclining on the cushions a bandit's daughter he dozed and on coming to his waking senses again discovered that the darkness had slightly lifted he could see the distant horizon 
defined by inky woods outlined on a lighter sky a few stars scattered here and there in this tableau whilst emphasizing the vastness of the space overhead a vastness that was positively annihilating at the same time conveyed a sense of solitude and loneliness in perfect harmony with the trees and rocks and gorges the effect was only transitory for with a suddenness almost reminding one of stage mechanism the moon burst through its temporary covering of clouds and in a moment the whole countryside was illumined with a soft white glow it was a warm night and the breeze that rolled down the mountain peaks so remote and passionless was charged to overflowing with resinous odors mingled with which and just strong enough to be recognizable was the faint pungent smell of decay a couple of hares looking somewhat ashamed of themselves sprang into upright positions and with frightened whisk of their tails disappeared into a clump of ferns with a startled hiss a big snake drew back under cover of a boulder and a hawk balked of its prey by the sudden brilliant metamorphosis uttered an indignant croak but none of these protests against the moon's innocent behavior were heeded by paul nicholas whose whole attention was riveted on a large sombre building standing close by the side of the road at the first glimpse of the place so huge grim and silent he was seized with a sensation of absolute terror nothing mortal could surely inhabit such a house the dark frowning walls and vacant eye-like windows threw back a thousand shadows and suggested as many eerie fancies fancies that were corroborated by a few rank sedges and two or three white trunks of decayed trees that rose up on either side of the building but of life human life there was not the barest suspicion what a nightmare of a house paul nicholas exclaimed gazing with a shudder upon the remodeled and inverted images of the gray sedge the ghastly tree stems and the vacant eye-like windows in a black and lurid tarn that lay in unruffled luster along the edge of the wood it's where he lives mademoiselle de Nerez whispered what do you mean to say that it is to this house you have brought me paul shrieked to this awful deserted ghostly mansion why have you lied to me i was afraid you wouldn't care to come if i described the place too accurately mademoiselle de Nerez said forgive me and pity me too for it is here that prince de jara would have me spend my life paul trembled for god's sake don't desert me mademoiselle de Nerez exclaimed laying her hand softly on his shoulder think of the terrible fate that will befall me think of your promises your vows but paul nicholas did not respond all at once his brain was in a whirl he had been deceived cruelly deceived and with what motive was mademoiselle de Nerez's explanation genuine could there be anything genuine about a girl who told an untruth once a liar always a liar did not that maxim hold good was it not one he had heard repeatedly from childhood what should he do what could he do he was here alone with this woman and her coachman in one of the wildest and most outlandish regions of spain god alone knew where to attempt to return would be hopeless sheer imbecility he would most certainly get lost on the mountains and perish from hunger and thirst or fall over some precipice or into the jaws of a bear or at all events come to some kind of an untimely end no there was no alternative he must remain and trust in mademoiselle de Nerez. but the house was appalling 
he did not like looking at it and the bare thought of its interior froze his blood then he awoke to the fact that she was still addressing him that her soft hands were lying on his that her beautiful eyes were gazing entreatingly at him that her full ripe lips were within a few inches of his own the moon lent her its glamour and his old love reasserting itself with quick tempestuous force he drew her into his arms and kissed her repeatedly some minutes later and they had crossed the threshold of the mansion all was as he had pictured it grim and hushed and bathed in moonbeams the coachman led the way and with muffled stealthy footstep conducting them across dark halls and along intricate passages up long and winding staircases all bare and cold through vast gloomy rooms the walls and floors of which were of black oak the formerly richly carved and in places hung with ancient tapestry displaying the most grotesque and startling devices the windows long narrow and pointed with trellis panes were at so great a height from the ground that the light was limited and whilst certain spots were illuminated many of the remoter angles and recesses were left in total darkness monsieur paul nicholas did not attempt to explore at each step he took he fully anticipated a something too dreadful to imagine would spring out on him the rustling of drapery and the rattling of phantasmagoric armorial trophies in response to the vibration of their footsteps made his hair stand on end and he was reduced to a state of the most abject terror long before they arrived at their destination at last he was ushered into a small bare dimly lighted room from the centre of the ceiling was suspended an oil lamp and immediately under it was a marble table walls and floor were composed of a rough uncovered granite the atmosphere was fitted and tainted with the same peculiar pungent odour noticeable outside this is the room mademoiselle de nerez said prince de jara will be here in a minute have you your pistol ready yes see and paul nicholas pulled it out from his coat pocket and showed it her have you any other weapons she asked examining it curiously yes a sheath knife paul nicholas replied a trifle nervously let me look at it mademoiselle de nerez exclaimed i have a weakness for knives a rather uncommon trait in a woman isn't it he handed it to her and she fingered the blade cautiously then with a sudden movement she leapt away from him fool she cried do you think i could ever love a man as fat as you the story i told you was a lie from beginning to end i don't remember either of my parents my mother ran away from home when i was two and my father died the following year i married entirely of my own free will married the man i loved and he happened to be a werewolf a werewolf paul nicholas shrieked god help me i thought there were no such things not in france perhaps mademoiselle de nerez said derisively but in spain in the pyrenees many at certain times of the year my husband won't touch animal food and if i didn't procure him human flesh he would die of starvation or in sheer despair eat me here he is and as she spoke the door opened and on the threshold stood a singularly handsome young man clad in the gay uniform of a carless general capital he exclaimed as his eyes fell on paul magnificent he is quite as fat as the other two how clever of you darling and throwing his arms around her he embraced her tenderly a few seconds later and he suddenly thrust her from him quick quick he cried run away darling 
run away instantly i can feel myself changing and he pushed her gently to the door mademoiselle de nerez took one glance at paul as she left the room poor fool she said half pityingly half mockingly poor fat fool though you may no longer believe in women you will certainly believe in werewolves now and as the door slammed after her the wildest of shrieks from within demonstrated that for once in her life mademoiselle de nerez had spoken the truth end of chapter twelve